Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Mo Gaudet. Mo is the Chief Business Officer at Google X and for 12 years Mo studied every unrelated to unrelated to that part he studied every single book and idea on the topic of happiness and developed an algorithm or equation for happiness that allowed him to feel happy no matter what happened however one day he unexpectedly lost his 21 year old son ali to a simple medical mistake could he return himself and his family to their normal resting state of happiness even in such tragic circumstances turned out he could and he wrote the book, Soul for Happy, Engineering Your Path to Joy, in memory of his son and as part of a personal mission to deliver his happiness message to 10 million people around the world. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Duncan. It's good to see you again. Now, you believe that our default state is happiness. Happiness is not something mysterious that we need to go out there and try and learn. We turn up in this world and I think you use the analogy of like, you know, a new phone, like your factory settings, the default mode is happiness, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you look at any child you've ever seen, you know, if, they, they, if, if they're fed, if they're loved, if they have their basic needs for survival, what are, what, what are they? They're happy, right? They, they, you know, they can, they don't need an, an Xbox to be happy. They don't need a PlayStation to be happy. At that stage of our life, we just need our toes or, and to observe the ceiling and we feel happy, right? So, so when you think about it, even you, even you and I, huh, you know, it doesn't just have to be children. On a sunny day where there is nothing that really annoys you and your boss is not annoying and you don't have a, you know, a stressing work, a stressful workload, your default setting is happy. Uh, in, in a very interesting way, uh, you know, the, 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 the consumerism of the modern world is teaching us that you, um, you have to seek something from outside you to find happiness. But the truth is happiness is the absence of unhappiness. If, if you remove the reasons that make you unhappy, what's left inside is happy. And that whole idea, you said that we've got to seek something. If that's the if that's the mindset or that's the belief, then however hard you seek, however hard you look, if, if it's just if it's simply not out there, then you can look all day long, but you're never going to find Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, try try to keep your keys in your pocket and then go look for them all over your house. How can you find them elsewhere if you if they're already in your pocket? And that's truly, you know, one of one of the things why we struggle so much to find happiness sometimes is because we're finding it in the next electronic gadget or the next relationship or the next, you know, trip. It's right here. Just just remove all of the clutter. You'll find it right here. So if we break it down to like, it's real, it's, it's essentials, it's in our life, it's not, it's not the actual event that makes us happy, or it's not the actual event that makes us unhappy. It's, it's our perception of the event that does. So if we look at the events in our life, if our expect, if we, if our, if the events in our life meet our expectations, we feel happy. Or if the events in our life miss our expectations, we feel unhappy. Yeah, so, so, right? so, so uh, yeah, so the, the equation was important for my research. So, so understand this, you know, as an engineer, a lot of the books about happiness just could not register with me. I just couldn't know what was wrong with the machine, right? Remember, the assumption is you were born happy and then something broke. Some, something in this machine became unhappy as I started to engage more and more in the modern life, right? So, so I, I tried to find an equation that describes happiness. And, and the equation was actually much simpler than, than what I thought I would end up finding. It was basically, I, I, I listed down every moment in my life where I felt happy and I tried to find the trend line. 
And the trend line was this. Every time in my life I felt happy was a moment where life seemed to have been giving me my expectations and wishes and hopes of how life should behave. Right. I know it sounds really silly, but it's almost like a six year old. Right. You, you, you go you go to daddy and you say, daddy, I want a new toy. And if daddy gives you the new toy, you're happy. If daddy doesn't have the money or the toy is out of stock or you've been misbehaving for the last six months and you really shouldn't get the toy. Right. You still you feel unhappy. You know, you don't consider the reasons why the toy are, is, is not given to you, but you feel unhappy. And that's the way we start to interact with life, right? You can put that in a very simple equation. Your happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life and your hopes and expectations of how life should behave, right? Every minute of your day, you're looking around you at tiny things and big things. You're looking at a word that your boyfriend, girlfriend told you, or a, you know, a financial situation that you're facing, or a, a, a rude driver that made a noise next to you. Okay. And every one of those, you're taking them through the happiness equation saying this event meets my expectations. This event doesn't meet my expectations. If it meets your expectations, the equation is positive and you're happy. If it misses your expectations, the equation is negative and you feel unhappy. Right. Uh, Interestingly, although the equation is correct, we don't always solve it right. Okay. And the reason is The factors, like you were saying, the factors that we put into that equation is not really what's happening in life. It's what we think is happening in life. Okay, and these are different. And if you if you manage to see the difference between them and you really manage to, to dive in and see life for what it really is, most of your time, your equation will be solved positive. It's fascinating. I also found what another thing I found really interesting was that it doesn't necessarily for example, my expectations would be different to your expectations, would be different to everyone's expectations. And it doesn't actually matter what our expectations are, regardless of how high or lower expectations are, regardless of how generous or harsh the events of our life are, it all just goes through that thing. If, if, if it meets it we, or, or exceeds it, we feel happy. So yeah. it, this, is, this, this applies to everyone, regardless of how Absolutely. pessimistic or negative we are and how, you know, yeah, I, 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 th- I think the trick, though, Duncan, is this, as uh, you know, as you were saying, the trick is, I, you know, I, I teach Solve for Happy in a, in a two or a four days course. And, you know, it gives me time to actually interact with people from all walks of life. And one of the exercises we do is I actually say, hey, can you can you please take 20 seconds to think about something that make you, makes made you unhappy, something in the last week that happened and made you unhappy? And you know what happens without fail? Without fail, everyone in the room will close their eyes and within 20 seconds, they go, boom, unhappiness on demand. Okay, you can easily bring up a thought in your head that makes you unhappy. The trick is this. When you manage to get that thought up there and torture yourself, nothing in the real world changed. Right. So 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 the second before you brought that thought up was a certain condition of the world. You brought the thought up and started to to feel unhappy. And then when you stop thinking about it, you're going to feel happy again. And no impact happens on the real world. No event causes the unhappiness. It's the thought that causes the unhappiness. You understand? Life has no power over you unless you granted that power through thinking about it. And and think about it this way. You, you, You must have a few friends who are always unhappy. Right. You know, I'm, I, I, I hope they manage to go through out of that. But 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 what happens is if it's snowing, it's too cold. 
If it's raining, if it, it's too wet. If it's, you know, sunshine, it's too hot. You know, the event is irrelevant. You know, it's it's basically they will, you know, those people will look at every possible event in life and find what's wrong with it, not what's right with it. Now, okay, we've, we've, we've learned to go through the modern world and be critical. It's good that you sometimes are analytical and you see the reality of the world. It's good for you to be successful. But ask yourself this, what does this thought do for you? Does it make your life any better in any way? Does it make people around you who love you happier? Does it make, uh, you know, does it actually make the weather change? You know, <laughs> when you start to complain about it for hours, is it going to stop snowing? It's, it's not. So how smart is that? How smart is it that we stay up here torturing ourselves with no effect on the real world? Talking about that idea where you get the whole audience to close their eyes and think about a negative thing, that that's there's something about uh, which I think is what, science, science talk, engineering talk for a serial processor, right? Where our yeah. brain can our brain can only hold on to one thought at a time. How how is yeah. that relevant to what you're just saying? Have, have you ever? I'm, I, I hope you, you you know some of the of the listeners will will agree that you know you some you sometimes have that experience of obsessively thinking about one thing. You know how that how that feels? It's like, you know, I don't care about the rest of the world now. I just care that the Uber driver was rude. OK, this this one event in my life, even though I have a smartphone that is connected on data and I have a credit card that can actually call Uber that can take me from one from one place to the next in seven minutes instead of walking there for three and a half hours. Right. And yet I can forget about all of this and I can take that one thought and obsess about it over and over and over, right? Now, that, that ability for our brain to do something is really, really powerful. The trick with that brain, though, is it can only do one thing at a time, which is really a very interesting shortcut. You have one of the most sophisticated computer systems on planet Earth in that three-pound you know, piece of meat up here, right? And, 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 and that sophisticated machine, as capable as it is, can only do one thing at a time. And so sometimes I, I do a, a, another exercise where I tell people, keep that thought that made you unhappy in your head. And let's just add some numbers on the screen. Right. The minute it's really it's honestly as simple as that. The minute your brain engages in engages in adding some numbers on the screen, you know what happens? The thought disappears. No more Uber driver. You're focused on the task. You don't feel unhappy, right? It's really interesting. So, so you, you know, you know how sometimes a, a little child would come to you and say, mommy, I'm so sad. And you would go like, okay, baby, look at this. This is a very nice toy. Let's play with this for a couple of seconds. And, you know, a couple of seconds later, the brain is not thinking about what's making them sad and they're happy, right? Um, I, I say that with respect, but I treat my brain as a six-year-old. It's like, you know, my brain will bring up the thought like, you know, the world is coming to an end. Everyone's disrespecting you. Uber drivers are rude. You know, you shouldn't live anymore in this world. And I go like, thank you, brain. That's that's a nice thought. Can we can we bring another one? You, you have a better thought you can give me. Right. And surprisingly, my brain will go like, uh, uh, OK, um, yeah, um, it's good that we're here on time. Like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And the problem is over. <laughs> So the, I mean, this, that's super exciting. The fact that we can, like you said, it's that shortcut or that hack. So if we know that our brain can only focus on that one thing at a time, then we can we can just override it every time. We are in that loop. We Absolutely. are thinking that. So let's let's have um, some 
I don't know, some ready-to-reach triggers or things which actually are good. Okay, we've got, we've got a great family. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm looking outside. The sun is shining. Whatever, whatever your, I think, happiness hacks or happiness triggers are for so you. I, I, I don't like to call them hacks, but I actually have a, a, a very, very uh, solid flowchart that I fo- follow every time. And, and the flowchart starts from a level of awareness, right? You, you, you sometimes get that feeling that, you know, I'm just not feeling right. Something's wrong, right? And we let that feeling go. Surprisingly, you know, think about it this way. Unhappiness, sadness is your survival, is one of, uh, part of your survival machine. And a lot of people don't, don't understand that. But think of it this way. You have, you know, if you've ever driven one of those 1990s cars that are super sophisticated mechanically, and, you know, we had a bit of electronics by then, everything under the hood is super sophisticated. But on the dashboard, you had one lamp, and the lamp said check engine, right? And, and that's it. If anything goes wrong with the car, your lamp will light on, you know, it would go off and say check engine, right? This is your unhappiness condition. Unhappiness is when your brain solves the happiness equation through sophisticated analysis of a million little parameters around you, right? And then it feels something's wrong and it lights the lamp, all right? Some of us ignore the lamp. My process will start with, have that awareness when the lamp goes on. If something's feeling wrong, just say, I, look, I shouldn't ignore this. I will do something about it. When you do something about it, the first thing you do is trace it back to the thought that generated it. And I say the thought, not the event, right? So the event is the Uber driver didn't smile. That's the fact of the event. The thought might be something like I was disrespected, okay? It's a very different framing of the event than the actual event. The event, if you want to describe it in very dry words, two minutes into my ride, the Uber driver was still not smiling or he spoke in a loud voice. This is the dry fact. Now that you know the thought, you start to ask yourself the most important question. Is it true? Is it true that I was disrespected? Is it true that the Uber driver uh, uh, is supposed to smile? Right. Is it true that, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, that this is re- that this deserves the current of unhappiness that I am going through? Right. If it's true, then you ask yourself the question, can I do something about it? Can I ping the Uber driver and say, don't do that again? Can I, you know, maybe rate him three stars or, you know, can I, whatever. I, if there is something you can do about it, do it. And when, you're do, when you do it, interestingly, you're moving the thought from your incessant side of your brain, which causes you unhappiness, to your insightful side of your brain, which is problem solving and engaging in the real world, where you don't feel unhappy. It's like adding the numbers on the screen, right? If there is nothing you can do about it, can you accept it? So, so, you know, my story, I lost my son, right? And so, and my son was the most wonderful human being I have ever come in contact with, right? He wasn't just my son. He was my son, my best friend, my coach. He was everything, right? Life was here when I had Ali. One morning we woke up, Ali, you know, went through the operation. He was the, you know, subject to medical error and life came down here, Right. What do you do now? You know, is there anything I can do to bring him back? Nothing I can do, including closing my door and crying for 25 years is ever going to bring him back. And life will sometimes give you those situations. You know, I I joke about the reasons for unhappiness as, you know, silly things like, you know, the coffee is cold or the Uber driver is, is, is rude or whatever. But some of us get genuine reasons for unhappiness, right? When those happen, if there is something you can do about them, do it. 
If there is nothing, life has just reset. Reset the counter and tell yourself, life is now here. Can I make it here tomorrow and here after tomorrow and here after tomorrow? Right? Because there is no point staying here. If you stay here, the only person you're harming is yourself and the people that you love. Life will not respond by bringing my son back if I cry for 25 years. We are not our thoughts. That's that's a common maybe misconception that we a lot of us have. We, we, we are not our thoughts. Our brains produce thoughts as a biological function to serve us. Yes. Why, why is this just so, so important to grasp this idea? You... you um... So, so remember, the, the happiness equation functions properly until you engage in the real world. Most of us have a happy childhood, right? I mean, uh, hopefully all of us, but unfortunately, that life is not always that way. But, you know, if you have a, a reasonably happy childhood, it's because you're not thinking about things very much, right? As you start to engage in life, you start being told what to do so that you fit in the societal expectations of what success is about, Okay. As you, you know, and, and as you start to do that, whether you go to school and they say spend eight hours uh, still and don't be playful anymore, or, you know, you, your parents will tell you don't do this, don't do that, eat your broccoli, whatever that is, right? So all of that stuff is a way for us to, uh, uh, you know, engage in life in ways that are not very playful and accordingly we start to be unhappy. I call those the modern world illusions. So there are illusions that we deal with that make us successful and make us fit in, but they're really not what they are. And the biggest of them is the illusion of, I think, therefore I am. Okay. In the modern world, we glorify thought so much because thought truly is what propelled our civilization. It's, you know, it gets you promoted at work. You know, very few of us get promoted because they can carry heavier weights anymore. Right. You don't get paid to run faster out of uh, out of, you know, away from tigers. You get paid because you're thoughtful. You're doing things using logic. You're doing a specific function using your brain. Right. That's what we get praised for. And so we glorify thought so much that we start to believe that we are our thoughts. But but here is the way I, I, I say it. And please don't take that as disrespect. You know, your your heart pumps blood around your body. Right. It's a survival function. It keeps you alive. You don't think of yourself as your heart. You don't think of yourself as your blood, right? Your colon, with all due respect, takes your the waste out of your body in the form of crap, right? You don't think of yourself as colon or crap. You're not crap, right? Yet your brain has that simple function of I'm going to collect all of the sensory information about it, about around me. I'm going to make a very sophisticated analysis with it. I'm going to communicate it to you in the form of words, which are now the only building blocks you understand, building blocks of knowledge you understand. And then I'm going to make a decision that makes you survive. You may, I may ask you to, you know, change jobs or leave your partner or whatever. That kind of analysis is a survival function or even run away from a car or whatever. Okay. So somehow, as compared to your colon, you think that you're those thoughts, right? You know, it's, it's like, and some, and, and I will say that openly, most of the time your brain is also generating crap. Right. We call them thoughts, but it's like really a total waste of time. Right. Yeah. And somehow we say, no, no, no. I am that crap. I'm not. OK. If my brain tells me to shoot you, that doesn't mean I'm a, I'm, I'm a murderer. I mean, it never told me you're a nice guy. Right? <laughs> yeah. but, you know, if, 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 if my brain Hang tells me quickly. to not, 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 not show up on time today. That doesn't mean that, you know, I am a lazy, uh, 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 irresponsible person. If I do show up not on time, that's a different topic. But 
your brain is just constantly going through game theory. It's just analyzing every possibility. And once you realize that it's just a biological function, everything changes because suddenly you lose the urge to obey. You know how I deal with my brain? I literally deal with my brain like I deal with my employees, you know, in, at, at work. You know, I have incredibly smart people who will come to me after two weeks of analysis with a business plan. They'll put it in front of me and I'll say, well, yeah, good work. I think you should go back and do better. It's as simple as that, right? They'd go back, spend another week working on it and then come back and I say, perfect. That's much better. Section four needs to improve, right? They'll go back and then come back with a perfect business plan. That's what I do with my brain. It gives me some weird idea like, Mo, let's be depressed for the rest of our life because the coffee was cold. Seriously, brain, can you do better than that? Right? So, you know, it would go back and say, ah, the seats are nice, the environment's okay, you know, and we can order another coffee or we can just go to the barista and say, I'm so sorry, this is cold. No, no need for drama. Does this time of the idea of our brains can be primed? Is that when you were describing that? Is that priming our brain? You, you can, you, 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 your brains can be primed is a very common, you know, scientific method of like, if I tell you, don't think about ice cream, don't think about ice cream, don't think about ice cream. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about ice cream, right? And so you, you can prime your brain. And when you, and, you know, if you have the choice of priming your brain with anything, why don't you just prime your brain with a happy thought? Right. So, you know, I, I used I used the example of how little children in cafes used to annoy me because my daughter was very, very active when she was young and she would be the one running around and making noises. And every time I saw little children's children afterward, I was like, I felt a little uncomfortable, uh, you know, being a, a parent who couldn't control his child or whatever. I reframed the thought every time little ch children come around me in coffee shops. Now I remember little Aya and I remember how talented and incredible and bright and funny she was. And the same situation gets primed with the picture of Aya smiling where people are loving her and so on. And I smile. It makes me happy. Okay. Even better, by the way, which is what we do in meditation is sometimes you can prime your brain with nothing at all. So if you if you have the choice to prime your brain by telling it to focus on your breathing, it won't think about the, the Uber driver. This is what we do in meditation, right? If you prime your brain by, and I don't do that, by the way, only in the meditation room. I try to do that everywhere. I'm, I'm now actually meditating while I'm talking to you by focusing on the, you know, colors of the microphone. You're, you have a white t-shirt with your white microphone. I focus on those things. I notice them, right? They don't just pass by. And, and if you focus on them, surprisingly, you're priming your brain with something other than negative uh, uh, thought that's causing that, that can cause you suffering. And when you do that, most of the time, you find no reason to suffer. Talking about those negative thoughts, our unconscious brain, as opposed to our conscious brain, can't process negatives, can they? Yeah. Yeah. How, how does that work? If somebody hears that, what, what does that what does that mean? How does that relate in terms of? I, I, I don't know if you do, but, you know, imagine or imagine imagine the time when you were a child uh, playing with your toes, observing the ceiling. Right. The only building blocks of knowledge you had were your sensory observations. Right. So you could you could construct knowledge of the world uh, just by observing. You did not have to turn them into words. And then we start to learn how to use words. And when we use words, they take over as the single building block that we can use to establish knowledge, right? So most of us have no access to, or at least 
don't go back and access the subconscious experiences that much. We turn them into words and we store them as words, right? The problem with, uh, with uh, uh, you know, not the problem, but the difference between those two forms of thought is that I can say your T-shirt is not white, Okay, not white is something you can use in language. And if I if you know, if I if you say not white, my conscious brain can understand that. Okay, Uh, and and or let's say not black, not not black. My my conscious brain understands that and makes a picture of several colors that are not black. Right. But in in the conscious brain, there is no you in the subconscious brain. There is no use of the word not. So there is no way I can communicate the word not in subconscious. So if I say your T-shirt is not black, the only thing that my subconscious brain understands is black. Right. And this is why, you know, when when we when they talk about manifest manifesting the realities of your of your life, for example, you cannot tell yourself, I want a life where, where I don't have this boss, because when you think about I don't have this boss, OK, all that your you subconscious brain is seeing is that is the boss, 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 boss. You're you're inviting that picture into your observation, to your consciousness, right? And so, focusing, I, I, you know, one of the quotes I have in in, in Solve for Happy is, happiness is always found on the positive side of the truth. Okay, we, we, you know, you have to behave like a child that does not have the word not, that does not negate uh, concepts. You have to think of the positive uh, concepts to find happiness. A few days before Ali passed, he, he sat you down and asked you to do something, didn't he? What, what was that conversation yeah. about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange, really, because, you know, it, Ali's death was a, 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 a surprise to all of us, but it seemed that he knew, uh, you know, now that you look back at it. He spoke to every one of his friends for six weeks before about what happens to us when we, when we die. Uh, you know, he... Uh, sort of um, um, had a, a plan to change majors in university. And I asked him three days before, I said, Ali, shouldn't we sit down and talk about this? And his answer was, Papa, I think there may be a reason why I wouldn't make that change. And those exact words, right? And and I don't know why he felt it, but one of the things he did is two, uh, literally two days before he left, he sat us all down and Ali didn't speak much. When, when he spoke, he was either super funny like you left your head off or he said some very, very wise things, right? That's, that was, that was the only things that Ali would speak about. And that time he spoke at length. He sat us down myself, his mother and his sister, and he spoke for around 40 minutes nonstop telling each of us how much he loved us, how much he appreciated having us in his life, the impact, you know, we had that made him the person that he is, how grateful he was for it. And then, you know, in his funny way, he said, like, Papa, I know this sounds funny coming from your son, unsolicited and all, but I want you to change the way you do things a bit. Like, sure, Habibi, tell me what you have on your mind. And he said, I know that you've been doing well, you know, having a making a difference to the world. I mean, working at Google really makes a big difference to the world, especially in emerging markets. But I want I want you to never stop working. That was his first advice. But I want you to do that with something that depends on your heart a little more often, okay? Which was really like, yeah, right, okay? It's like who, who changes the world with something that depends on their heart? And and when he left, uh, we did very well. I mean, Ali died, and then four hours later, we were very, very peaceful. We were content. We were not angry. I, I wouldn't say we were happy, but we were at a state of peace. We were calm, right? And uh, when when people came to his memorial, we would be the ones that hug them and calm them down and make them smile, 
right? And when when that started to happen, people came to me and said, why? Why are you doing this? And and we, we would explain our happiness model to them. We, ex- we would explain our model of death and life. And, you know, and they basically would, would go around laughing and sharing memories of Ali. And if you'd been there in his memorial, you would think it's his graduation party or something. Everyone was le- really having a good time. And so people started to come to me and said, you need to write this down. So, so I, I sat down and I wrote, I'm not exaggerating, nonstop, nonstop, like 16 hour days sometimes for four and a half months. And then I realized that when Ali said, I want you to keep doing what you're doing, he wasn't talking about a book. So, so Solve for Happy is the content, if you want. Okay. He was talking about actually making a difference. And so I assigned myself a task like businessmen do to make 10 million people happy. Right. Um, a task that I'm actually trying to measure so that I improve the message and, you know, uh, and, and get to as many people as I can in the hope that if I can get to 10 million and every one of us uh, would take on a target of five, ten, hundred, a thousand, you have a target of like a hundred thousand yourself, Duncan. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if each of us can take that target and deliver that message of happiness forward, who knows? Who knows what, how far we can go? We, 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 make, we may be able to make all of Britain happy, right? We may be able to make a billion people happy. We may be able to make all, you know, 25-year-olds happy. I don't know, okay? But I really think that if our, if our world is a little happier, especially in the times we're going through, I think we would be making decisions very differently. It, would, it wouldn't be me against them anymore. It wouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, let me try and find my own individual f- benefit. I think it would become a little more, let's find our, you know, um, aggregate happiness as, as a community. Yeah. I, love that. I know you've got to run, but a couple of quick speed round questions and then I'll let you go. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? Hmm. Uh, a fulfilled life to me is to ha- having lived up to the true potential that I had in life. I, I think of life more as a video gamer. Okay. So I, I try to go through life in a way that, uh, you know, life, I know, I'm, I know life is bound to throw problems at me. Okay. I know that it's got, the game is going to be tough sometimes. And my, my fulfillment is not to live a, you know, a relaxed, happy life. My fulfillment is to engage in the hard t- parts of the game and learn, not, not to finish the level. Who wants to finish the level? You want to enjoy the game, right? You, you, uh, to enjoy the game, you need to learn and engage, accept the challenges and be the best gamer you can be. Okay. I will never be as good a gamer as Ali, but I can be as good a gamer as I can be. And, and that's really what fulfillment is for me. What is one thing all our listeners can start doing today that will positively affect their lives? Uh, uh, question what your brain is telling you. Question the impact that it has on the world and question if there are alternative ways where you can actually solve problems and move forward than, rather than get stuck in them. How can people find out more about you? Maybe read your book. Where can we send them? Where can, where can we point them? So solveforhappy.com has all of the uh, of, of the links you need. It has a ton of uh, free videos and talks and so on. It has, uh, you know, links to where you can order the book if you want to. Uh, I, you know, facebook.com slash solveforhappy is a place where I post all of the events that we're planning to do and we can, you know, connect and get in touch. Uh, youtube.com slash solveforhappy. 
also has a, a lot of the video content. Uh, you know, just search for soul for happy, you'll find me. And I'm I'm actually happy that Google now when you when you write soul for it suggests happy. So we're going we're doing okay there. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you so much for coming on today. Like we had a lovely chat just even before we clip record. So it's it's been it's been great spending time in your company. So thank you. You're, for... you're the man, Duncan. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I I really appreciate this, and I hope we continue the conversation. And hope hopefully we made a few people happy today, and hopefully we'll make more people happy together. <laughs>